0: There's a huge cycling community of people of color and women of color that aren't really included in the industry. Um, they're not represented in the industry very well at all, and I'm trying to change that, um, which is like a big part of why I want to go pro in the first place. Because I feel like cycling isn't very, like, isn't a very good representation of the country at large or the world at large. It's very um,
1: homogenous. <laughs> Hey, what's up? This is Kat. Welcome to the Joyride. Hey, what's up, Joyriders? This is Kat, and you're listening to episode number 25 of the Joyride podcast, where we celebrate women on bikes. On today's show, we talk to the one and only Aisha McGowan, who you may also know as a quick brown fox. You might remember her name first mentioned by guest Monica Garrison, founder of Black Girls Do Bike, back on episode number eight of the Joyride. Aisha discovered competitive cycling in 2014 and has since been on a mission to become the first female professional African American road cyclist. Aisha has been featured in Bicycling Magazine, Bicycle Times, BBC World, and Vice Sports. And if you're not familiar with the fantastic video that the BBC did on her. Make sure you check out the show notes and take a look. It is so inspiring, you guys. Uh, she's also got it pinned up at the top of her Twitter feed at this point, so if you go over and follow Aisha on Twitter, you'll see that there too. Before we get into that, I want to give a quick shout out to Brock and Aaron of the Sprocket Podcast, who kindly hosted me as a guest on their show last week. We talked about Girl Eats Bike Portland, and of course, women's cycling. I had a lot of fun chatting with them and getting a behind the scenes look at how other podcasts make stuff happen. Link to that show in the show notes here. So I'm excited about this joyride, folks. I've been following Aisha for a while, and I'm so totally stoked to get to hear about her journey. On this episode of the joyride, we'll hear about Aisha's evolution from riding and commuting into advocacy and then competitive racing. We'll hear about using the bike to conquer your fears, the inception of the A Quick Brown Fox blog and .com, as well as the Do Better Together rides and why building community is so damn important. Show notes for this can be found at girleatsbike.com forward slash joyride025. Also, you should be able to tap on the screen on the cover art for this and whatever Podcast player, you're using. If I did everything right, the show notes will pop up there too. Okay. Without further ado, let's get into it. Aisha McGowan, welcome to the Joyride. Hi. Hey. I'm so glad to finally chat with you, um, uh, listeners. I just confessed to Aisha that I've been like sort of fangirling for a little while, so everybody bear with me for my for my awkwardness. okay.
0: I'm I'm pretty awkward myself. I think I think there's enough to go around.
1: Alright, cool. Um, so tell me where you learned to ride a bike. Where might... you like from in the world?
0: Um, um, from. I guess, okay, so I was born in Atlanta, grew up in New Jersey, went to school in Boston, well, college in Boston, and then I lived in Brooklyn for a while, and now I live in the Bay Area. And who knows what's next, but um here for now. And uh, I learned to ride a bike in my grandma's garage in Carlton, Georgia, which is about half an hour outside of Athens. And I got two bikes for Christmas when I was four or five, I think it was maybe five. And my parents bought me a bike, and my grandparents bought me a bike. And so I was at my grandparents' house, and I taught myself to ride a bike in their garage. And it was a cool bike. Pi- it was a cool bike. It was like super girly, which is not normally my thing, but it had this like FM radio attached to the handlebars. So it's I, crazy. Yeah, it was really cool. But my grandma was kind of in the boondocks, so you don't really get very good reception out there. But sometimes you could get a station, and I just felt like the coolest five-year-old in the world. Um, but yeah, it was great. <laughs>
1: yeah I'm sort of mesmerized by the idea of like FM radio just like right there on your handlebars it was so super
0: cool it looked like something from like Nickelodeon it was like, like, a, like a bright neon situation like oddly shaped it was great
1: did you like end up riding all through adolescence and through being a teenager or did you stop and then pick it back up again
0: only later? in the sense of like I had access to a bike and I rode it but not like Competitively, or even like regularly, I just rode bikes for fun, like with my friends. Like in middle school, I convinced my parents to buy me like a Walmart bike and rode it around town to get to my friends' houses and play basketball and like do like silly stuff. Like it was like just a form of. I guess I was using it as a form of transportation, but didn't really look at it that way. It was just like a fun thing to do with my friends, but we weren't going on like long, adventurous rides. It was just like, oh, I'm just going to go to Roger's house. And that was that. Um, and then in high school, before I got my my driver's license, I needed to get to school. So I rode my bike a bit and then someone stole it. And that's when I learned not to lock your bike to a pole that has nothing on the top of it. <laughs>
1: my goodness. (laughs) Or the other thing is like when you just lock the wheel to something totally stable and then just
0: the wheel is there. I mean, I lived in the suburbs. Nobody bothered stuff out there. I was not expecting that. Um, But uh, there went my Walmart bike, but I luckily ended up with a car a week later. So timing is everything, I guess. (laughs) And then uh, I didn't really start riding again until my sophomore year of college when I moved to Boston. I went to Rutgers. First in Central New Jersey. Big
1: um, to the Garden State. Yes,
0: but I could walk there from my house, so I figured I needed to go a little further, and so I went to Berkeley College of Music in Boston. And while I was up there, one of my friends had a bike and was raving about how awesome it was, and so I was like, "All right," and I got my mom's bike out of her out of the basement and got it fixed up, and it was the rest is history. Like then I haven't I haven't
1: stopped since then. That was the
0: that was the uh, beginning of the end
1: I guess <laughs> or the beginning so, of the, be- <laughs> the beginning of the beginning right <laughs> yeah. so like alright walk me through between getting the your mom's bike fixed up and hey I just was in my first competitive race like how did that actually how did that happen okay um alright so
0: I got that my mom's bike, and I'm gonna say 2008, 2007. I got my mom's bike in 2007, and I started racing in 2014. So I guess it was a seven-year process. Um, so I went from being commuter to my local bike shop in Boston was Bikes Not Bombs, and they offered a an adult instructor class. So it was a build a bike program for their youth program, and the adults would volunteer, and you would go through this um, course, and they'd teach you how to do, um, completely overhaul a bicycle. And then in turn, you would teach kids how to do the same thing, and they would build a bike, and then they'd get to keep it. So that's how I got into advocacy. And from there, I got really into like different kinds of bikes, and I got single speed, and then eventually I turned it into a fixed gear, and then I started being a messenger, and I was really bad at that, but I did it anyway, and then I moved to New York, and I was doing, like, alley cats, and, like, fun, like, gold sprints, and, like, silly competitive, like, um, unsanctioned things, um, and then I met the folks from we Bike NYC, and there was a clinic at the casino track, and I went to the clinic, and then I was hooked, and that's how I got in racing.
1: What hooked you at the clinic?
0: It was fun, and it was fast, and it wasn't as dangerous as I thought it would be. Um, yeah, it was. I had fun, I had a lot of fun.
1: Did you have like a gut-sense feeling that you were good? You know what I mean? I didn't like, feel did like you... I was
0: bad at it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I had a gut-sense feeling that I was competitive. Like, I've always been competitive. I've played sports my whole life, um, so. There's always this like, oh, I can do better than I'm doing now kind of feeling that eggs me on. Um, And I wasn't doing poorly at all. I didn't feel like the best thing in the world. And it did take me an entire additional year to actually start racing, racing. Um, Like I did the clinic and then I just didn't race at all for that whole year. And then my friends decided they were going to put a team together. And so I was like, oh, people to do this with. And then I started racing because of that. Um, so I got a license and did the whole, um, sanctioned thing. Cause with the clinic, you can get a day license and you're not committed to do anything else. <laughs> um, and so I did the day and I had a fun time and then we on, carried on with my life. <laughs> and then, uh, the, a year later I discovered road bikes and like, it was just kind of all, I guess the beginning of another beginning. <laughs> so many
1: chapters so many chapters so this is making me think about um sort of like the importance of community to help help shepherd us to bring out some of the best in us i guess all about
0: like, access
1: yeah tell me a little bit more about that
0: um i mean i was seeking community i was seeking like a social aspect to cycling, I guess, looking for people to ride with, and that's how I ended up doing the clinic because I had other people to do it with. Like it was like, oh, this looks like it could be fun, um, but it wasn't as scary as like showing up on your own, not knowing anybody. Even though I didn't know anyone, it still felt like I was going with other people who didn't know what they were doing. Um, there was this entryway, like a like you weren't diving in too deep, um, and there were people to help you if you needed it. And I feel like in competitive cycling, it's just so easy to sign up for a race and just do it that it can be really intimidating. Like, the difference between someone who doesn't race and someone who does race is just that the someone who
1: does race signed up for it. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Like, but, it, it like, to me it also sounds like a bit like confidence in getting to that place to even just say, yeah, I'm going to sign up for that.
0: Yeah. And you know? that confidence is easy, more easily found if you have comrades <laughs> who are like willing to do it with you and laugh when you like when laughter needs to happen and be supportive when support needs to happen and all of those things. Like it, it, it's helpful to have like friends who are kind of on the same journey.
1: So this clinic was in... when? Remind me again? That The first
0: know? clinic I did was in 2013.
1: All right, so here we are. Mm-hmm. We're in spring, fresh into April 2017. What kind of a, an insane whirlwind have you been on in the past four years?
0: Oh, wow. It has only been... yeah, look at that. Um. Wow. I guess we've come a long way.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't mean to say like only. It's certainly not only for you. No, it's
0: not that long of a time. I mean it. it has flown by. Uh, I mean, I. What's? Now go on. No, you had you had a question. Give me. Well, I was
1: going to say like what stands out to you. Like like if I were to say that, I say like four years. Oh, it's weird. Time flies. Yeah. What is? What are some of like the the top things that sort of ping to you in your memory in that time?
0: Um It's kind of all a big blur. Like I feel like with me, I was just kind of always in the right place at the right time um to be inspired to do the next thing. Um so I met um like a bunch of bike racers at a it was like an event for Eddie Stevens. And they were just doing laps around Central Park, which is something that was completely foreign to me. Like, the idea of people just going in circles on a bike. Like, I'd always just used the bike as transportation, you know, like, completely functionally. Um, And so I did this clinic, and I just had a blast going in circles with other people. (laughs) And I guess that would be considered my first, like, group ride. Um, And... I just saw all of these women who were in kits. I didn't own a kit at the time, I was in like jorts and, <laughs> and like a tank top and I had my like single speed con- fixed gear conversion with the crate attached to the rear rack. And nice. like I was not, like I was in my, sneak- my sneakers and I had toe straps, like I was completely commuter. Like it was not anything beyond that. And it was still a lot of fun. Um I felt super awkward cuz I was obviously very different from everyone else there and that I didn't have all the same equipment and um there was one other brown person which was really cool um who joined us after the ride um but I don't know it was just this really I, I I've always been fascinated in bike in like the bike world about by like how many different ways you can appreciate a bicycle um, and, like, how many different things you can do with or on a bike. And this was just another world, and I was just ready to dive on in, and I did. I don't remember your initial question. I'm pretty sure I didn't answer it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. It's uh, well, It was kind of about, like, what kind of a whirlwind have you been on and then asking what has stood out to you, you know, in your journey oh, over the past I few years. Oh, I guess
0: from going from that, like, jorts tank top wearing person on a on a you know single speed with a basket to this like super racing person who's like super confident and like ready to take on the world um i think just the thing that stands out most is how easily the bike has allowed me to overcome a lot of fears like how empowering It has been for me because I'm an anxious person. I'm not, it's not that I'm afraid of challenges and just, it's weird. I'm like afraid of everything, but not afraid of anything. (laughs) Um, And I just, I think the whirlwind comes from these feelings of like, I could never do that. And then like convincing myself that I can, and then doing them, and then being really excited, and then doing that over and over and over again until I've gotten to the point where I am now. Did that answer your question?
1: Totally. (laughs) I know, and it's it's almost like reassuring to hear to hear you say that because, like, when you said, um, "afraid of everything and yet not afraid," like I find that totally relatable. Like, there's always this sort of hesitant skepticism about everything. Like, but I could do it. I could totally do it. Yeah.
0: Like kind of like addressing like why am I afraid? And then doing it because I'm afraid. (laughs) Like this like this really weird masochistic cycle of like trying to conquer your fears in the most ridiculous manner possible.
1: (laughs) Yeah, like get down underneath it and like figure out what is the thing that's there in the first place. Right. So at what point did you say, All right, um, a quick brown Fox is the next step for me. Like what, what was the moment where you said, yes, that's, you know, this is what my next step is to, to help my journey along.
0: Um, well, after my first season of racing in 2014, I was like super into it. I'd done really well. I had a really great first season and I was kind of looking to see if, there were any African American women like who had done this already, who'd like already like gone the distance, and I couldn't find anybody. Like I was asking around um, within like the cycling community and the Black cycling community, and no one could name anybody or come up with anybody that had gone pro as an African American woman. And even with African American men, there haven't been very many. Um, so it just seemed like something that was so silly that in 2014, cause that's when it was at the time, um, there hadn't been an, uh, an African-American woman who hadn't been a pro cyclist yet. It just seems like bikes are such a regular part of a lot of people's lives. It kind of blew my mind that that is something that hadn't happened, you know? And so I was like, well, I will do it myself. I'm pretty good at this. I'm really happy doing it. I'm having a lot of fun. Um, and I'm up for this challenge. I'm in a place in my life right now where, um, it's something that I really, I, I don't know, it just felt right. And I just had this like urge to go for it. Um, and representation is just so important to me. And it just seemed like some place where I could make an impact on that, like, positive role models and just positive images of african-american women in society um, and with bikes specifically there's so many different kinds of people who ride bikes um, across like several different demographics be it gender or race and nationality cultures professions like you could be in a bike race with a dentist a lawyer <laughs> a real estate agent like it could you could be in a bike race with anybody of like immigrants or anyone like there's just so many different kinds of people that ride bikes and it just made no sense to me that um an african-american woman hadn't become a pro yet and i just wanted to um create that representation and also bring that representation into the community and kind of create this inward and outward representation where people within the cycling community could see or be experience that. And then people outside the cycling community community could experience that and it could potentially inspire in both directions. And maybe that's like setting a tall order. Um, but I have a very large imagination.
1: <laughs> it's very vivid. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's, friggin' awesome, because that's the thing you need to sort of power you and, you know, and visualize you getting to whatever that next level is, right? Yeah! I mean, you gotta
0: be big. So,
1: So, I got a couple questions, a couple different directions I want to go in. I'm not sure where we're going to go first, so we may jump around a bit, but seems like a good segue for you to tell me a little bit about the Do Better Together rides, about the virtual ride series. Can you explain a little bit about like what that's about?
0: Okay, so it's a total of six ride challenges, one per month. We did one in February and one in March already. The next one is in this is, it's April now, right? So the next it is. <laughs> Time is flying. <laughs> um, and each ride challenge is 10 days and you set your own goal when you register. So you can say, I'm going to do 30 miles in 10 days. And you do it wherever you are. Um, You can ride by yourself or you can go out riding with friends. It's completely independent as far as the riding itself, um, the requirements of it, but you can um, interact with the other people who are doing it um, virtually. So um, we are in a private Strava community and every day you have um, an action item and we go through, um, I'm saying a lot of ums, I'm sorry, but... You can, I, I give out an action totally item cool. email and um, people exchange their knowledge and their wisdom and their tips and their fears and the, whatever the action item item is that day, you go in this travel group and we talk about it and it's really cool. And um, I've picked up a lot of stuff from it myself. I am on a journey to be pro. I'm not pro yet. I know a lot of things just that I've picked up along the way, but I still feel like there's so much left to learn and wisdom can come from anywhere and i think it's really cool to build this community of inclusivity where people can feel comfortable to share what they know and what they don't know um and i guess i'm just trying to create you know we talked about access earlier but create access to this confidence of like you can do this thing what's the barrier that you have in your head like what is what What do you think is stopping you from taking this next step? All right, let's talk about it and see how we can work through it. And I think it's going really well. Um, A lot of people have been giving me very positive feedback. I haven't gotten any negative feedback, so that's good. Um, And um, yeah, and all different kinds of folks have done it. I've got um, people from all different cultures and races and genders. And I don't know what I expected going in, but I'm really happy with what's happening. And what's really cool is I've um, convinced Cannondale and SRAM and Tiny Black Studio to sponsor it. So there's raffle prizes. And so there's raffle prizes for each month. And then there's a grand prize of a bike. So you can win a CAD 12 from Cannondale, which is really neat. And in order to do that, you have to do at least four of the six ride challenges. So if you haven't done any yet, this month is the last month to start doing them to, to win the bike. But either way you're eligible to win the individual month raffle raffle prizes from Canada and SRAM and then I give out stuff as well, raffle off stuff as well from a quick brown fox. <laughs> so that's really cool. I don't know. I'm proud of it. I'm super proud of it. It was kind of like a random idea and I just, you know, did it. <laughs>
1: I, yeah, it's so, it's so rad. It's it's really cool to watch from the outside even my own perspective from this like arm's length of watching the your community grow and um take this like beautiful shape and like claim this space that should you know that it should have um it's just it's really cool and really impressive and thanks for doing that work because I think we definitely all do better when we're all doing better you know what I mean
0: yeah for sure that yeah i I really big on building community and working together and like I feel like bike like bike racing or just cycling in general can sometimes feel very solitary um but there's always somebody who's been there already who probably has an answer to the question that you have and there's just been a huge I know as I'm sure you've seen like a huge push for um women in cycling and like creating programs and communities for people to get into it and feel comfortable. And I'm just trying to um, add to that. But um, my main demographic is women of color because I feel like that's a a big. There's a huge cycling community of people of color and women of color that aren't really included in the industry. Um, They're not represented in the industry very well at all. And I'm trying to change that, um, which is like a big part of why I want to go pro in the first place, because I feel like cycling isn't very, like, isn't a very good representation of the country at large or the world at large. It's very, um,
1: homogenous. Uh, yeah, no, no doubt. <laughs> uh, what's your, what's your favorite thing about riding a bike? Now, this could be, the, you know, the pro speedy competitive, or this could just be like you by yourself with your hands on the bars like what's your favorite
0: thing about riding um actually my favorite thing about riding a bike is just how freeing it feels in general just I like really enjoy like today the ride I did today was an easy ride and I just rode up the bike trail singing and dancing along and it was great I had a great time I was super happy and I like seeing the other people and like getting really excited every time I see a dog (laughs) I, I probably look insane and I don't even care like I think I'm the most comfortable when I'm riding a bike. I'm not this like super awkward turtle. I don't feel the need to like talk to anyone or not talk to anyone like I just feel completely at ease and it's wonderful it's wonderful. I just love riding a bike. It just makes me feel really really good so um, I say that now in, you know in the middle of a race when I'm suffering I have to remind myself that I'm doing this on purpose but <laughs> At the core of it, I really do enjoy riding bikes so much.
1: So do you prefer to, to ride solo or do you like being in like a, a peloton and, or being in a group ride?
0: I think they all have their benefits.
1: I don't prefer one thing over
0: the other. I think it just depends on how I'm feeling that
1: day. <laughs> I, I enjoy them both for different reasons. What's the longest ride that you've been on or, or what's that, and also what's the average like, length and duration of your rides and, and your training rides?
0: So the longest ride i've ever done to date was the ride across wisconsin and i'm doing it again this year um and it was 178 miles in one day Whoa. yeah that's a lot of and miles <laughs> for me it's a lot of miles yeah. i know there are like like endurance riders that <laughs> they're like yeah okay that's nothing but for me i was like fried afterward <laughs> but i was so proud that i did it it was like 178 miles and like 9,000 feet of climbing and i was told that it was going to be relatively flat And in the scheme of things, it was (laughs) a relatively flat relative compared to what though. I'm like, oh God, guys. (laughs) But it was like climbing for like the first eighty miles, I think. And then it was fine. After that, it was like turned into more rolling hills than like steep ones. I didn't, I don't know. I, it was, it was good. It was really good. And I got to meet Jens Voigt. <laughs> did, I got to yell at his,
1: did you yell at his legs to shut up?
0: I did not yell at his did legs. Did he yell at your legs? He did not yell at... That's he all I yell ever at, think of this guy. He did yell at a car who... They did something dumb, and he yelled at them. And I was like, yeah, okay. All right, Jens Voigt. That's great.
1: <laughs> <laughs> did he... Was he as personable in in person as his goofy on the television or anything yeah. like
0: that he's, he's, he was great Um, it was like a leapfrog kind of thing like there were rest stops along the way and they would either be like it was him and like the Trek factory team so they were like toting him along and he was riding with them and like sometimes I would hop on and if like I was in front of them because I'd left the rest stop earlier he'd go come on and then I'd hop on a wheel <laughs> it was really great like I don't know it was cool to have Yin's Void encourage you to keep moving you know <laughs>
1: You know, the hop on a wheel thing reminds me when you're. Um, so, there are, for listeners who maybe aren't familiar with like the pro or peloton sort of like setup or a team setup to cycling, there are different positions, um, different roles of riders. There are sprinters and climbers and domestiques and whatever else is in there that I'm sure you can tell me more about than I have any knowledge of. What, it, where are you? What do you do? Are you a climber, are you a sprinter? Or, and also, um, is that weird to try to figure out where you might fit in, in terms of like a pro team as you're working on this journey? Um,
0: I don't know if it's weird. I think, I mean, I've shown most promise as a sprinter. I'm working on, you know, being as all like being as much of an all arounder as I can. Um, that's like my focus for this year. Um, but Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what specifically
1: you're asking. I don't know if what specifically I'm that. asking either. <laughs> I suppose I suppose I'm thinking about like um, you know, as you're figuring out like your pro journey that is part you end up being part of a team and uh, people fit into teams for various reasons. And I just don't know if you have like a specialty, if you have like a thing that you're training towards or anything like that. Is that helpful? Um,
0: is that- I mean, I've been, I've been mostly doing crits, which is sprint heavy. Um, and this year I'm trying to get more into like the longer road races and trying to train my body to be prepared for doing um, harder efforts at longer distances. Um, and so I'm kind of finding my place in that world because it's a different kind of racing or at least it feels like a different kind of racing. Um, so I guess I'm still finding where I fit. But my natural inclination is to say that I'm a sprinter, but not, definitely not a climber. I'm not a horrible climber, but I wouldn't call myself a great climber either.
1: Do you feel like you, like you suffer well? I know you made a comment about suffering a minute ago.
0: I do think I suffer well. I think you get into this kind of zone because of whatever is motivating you at that time and the pain is, it's not irrelevant, but it doesn't seem as important as the goal at the time. If that makes sense.
1: Yeah, it sounds like you can bypass one because the other is, the pull of the other is strong enough.
0: I mean, you feel it. You definitely feel it and it's sucks a lot um but yeah you can push through for sure
1: it's good so tell me about bike snacks
0: (laughs) do you are you
1: like on like a uh, regimented i'm gonna eat these formula type things or do you like do you eat real food or what do you like like during a ride after a ride i like real food um Full disclaimer or
0: full disclosure: I am a Scratch Labs ambassador or a taste agent. So, okay.
1: um, but
0: I liked them, and stalked them, and that's why I'm
1: a Scratch Labs taste agent. <laughs> Scratch Labs is the one brand that <laughs> that I've had women say over and over again, like, oh, they're cookies or whatever. Like, right? No, I know, liked, like, like their formulas that, are good. It
0: wasn't like they didn't approach me. I totally approached them and like was like, hey guys, hey guys hey, guys, and they were like, yeah, we have this application, so apply when the time comes, and I did, and they, they picked me. They picked me. Um, That's awesome. So um, most of my bike snacks are, like, fruit, and, like, I like cookies and, like, fig bars and stuff like that, um, but, like, I don't do, like, the goo gels, the goo-style gels anymore, but I do, like, the Scratch Lab Chewies. Um, they're not super, super slimy, And they are easy to chew, and they go down pretty easy, and they don't hurt my stomach. Like, last season, I was having a really hard time in races where I was just kind of throwing up all the time. It was really awful, and I couldn't figure out what was going on. And then someone introduced me to Scratch Lab stuff, and it was great. Um, And that's why I'm, like, singing their praises now.
1: Um, Did you hear that scratch labs that is a that is a big advertisement for you she was literally vomiting before your product <laughs> yeah it wasn't pretty um at all <laughs> yeah i mean you know it sounds like i mean, honestly nutrition is the one thing that like i've had uh tons of experiences with figuring out like why the bike is important to me and nutrition and like the body connection and bonking and all that stuff is- Oh, like
0: so much fun.
1: (laughs) It was that moment where I was like, oh wait, the fuel I put into my body affects what my output is, you know? And um, it's an entirely different story. We're not here for that. But um, I do think that like the food thing is important. Now, when you're done with a ride, like when you're done with riding across Wisconsin, what do you know you're gonna want to eat? Like, uh, what's like your what's your I've exerted myself and now I need to take care of myself thing.
0: They I was in Wisconsin, so they have like big like bratwursts. I think I remember having like delicious sausages, s- sausages, Um Usually at the end of a long ride, I will eat anything and everything because um, I'm just super hungry, especially after 178 miles. And like I was eating along the way, I stopped at pretty much every rest stop. <laughs> and then ate all the fruits and the snacks and they had a really great lunch um, um, so it's important not to just eat afterward but to keep eating during um, like you have to constantly just constantly be shoving food in your mouth and like make sure that you have food in your pockets and if you have to stop stop Like do what you have to do but you are not going to survive not even like a century without eating um, the way you're supposed to eat and and hydrating, equally if not more important. And if you're hungry or thirsty, it's already too late. Like <laughs> you need to eat and drink before that happens.
1: Like this is not the place for calorie restriction. No, at all. we're we're not in like a I'm gonna lose weight here.
0: No, <laughs> yeah, don't. Clearly. No, we're not we're not counting calories. Um, and I mean, you know yourself and what how your body likes to break foods down. So you don't want to eat things that are going to make you feel awful. Um, it's important to like figure out what foods you can eat on the bike and and keep going. Because <laughs> if you eat the wrong thing, that could just destroy you. I did, a, I did a Grand Fondo in March, and I did not do a good job with my nutrition that day, and I paid for it dearly. <laughs> so don't get comfortable and like, I got this. I've done so many of these. And then just throw caution to the wind because it will backfire (laughs) learn from my mistakes
1: (laughs) it was great (laughs) Um, Ayesha if you could go for a ride with anybody living or dead anywhere in the world who would you go with and where and why
0: So someone else asked me this question today so I'm prepared my dad isn't alive but I would go for a ride with him Because I feel like I've gotten to ride with most of the other people in this world that I would want to ride with. Um, Which I feel very fortunate for. Um, But I would ride with my dad because he wasn't like a cyclist or anything, but he did ride a bike. Um, And I always thought it was really cool. And I would love to go for a simple joyride with my dad. And it doesn't matter where, but I picked new england because i think the bike trails would be really pretty with foliage think <laughs> so it would be really pretty <laughs> um, is that like super specific or no, not specific no enough?
1: it's so sweet it's awesome <laughs> it's really good i i lost my dad a few years ago and actually today it's it's funny that this like came up today because i have like i'm like really missing him today so um hearing you say that is like just made me smile a bunch so yeah, yeah i think that's i think that's super cool and um knowing like foliage sounds it's so like, nice we, like foliage rides are the best yeah all the <laughs> the leaves sort of like crinkle like cornflakes on, on the bike path it's good mm-hmm. stuff and dogs
0: love them and i love dogs
1: <laughs> do you ha- do you have a dog i do have a dog
0: <laughs> I get, <laughs> but i get excited no matter whose dog is <laughs> So if you uh, see me and you have a dog, I'm going to yell and it's going to be ridiculous and I'm sorry in advance. But not sorry at all.
1: <laughs> I, saw, uh, I saw someone this morning, I saw a guy this morning on a cargo bike with his dog in the front bucket and I was like, squat Are you in LA? No, I'm in Portland. Oh, so. okay.
0: Because I was like, that might have been Michael and Toby. <laughs> it's
1: awesome that you would know them.
0: <laughs> <laughs> They're adorable. And Toby
1: wears goggles. <laughs> So cute. Oh my god. Yeah, that's total that is total squad goals. I need to get my dog in a cargo bike. With... Toby's
0: the dog by the way.
1: So good. Oh, wait, wait, who's the human? Michael. Michael's the human. Toby's the dog. Is Toby huh? wearing the goggles?
0: Toby is wearing the goggles.
1: Rad. <laughs> yeah, that's like and then you need like the uh, the white scarf, like I'm thinking of Snoopy, but <laughs> so as you are doing this like amazing wonderful work of building community while you are you know getting into and trying to get into the pro circuit yourself what do you want other other women of color who have a desire to ride or have a desire to use their competitiveness uh to, to get into like a competitive cycling situation what kind of advice would you have for folks who are in that situation
0: do it just just do it like seriously just go for it it's like it's not super hard to get into bike racing it's just a matter of not knowing that you can i think for most people like they feel like there's this like enormous process or all of these barriers and they really there really aren't you can decide to do it and
1: then do it it sounds so simple
0: it is so simple it's so simple and obviously i want everyone to be safe and confident and like look up you know do the research learn how it works but once you've done all that do it find a group find a club find somebody who knows what's going on send me an email, go to my website and there's like the ask Aisha option and people ask me questions all the time and I will happily answer them um, and you can send me your complaints. Also, people have sent me really awful nasty things. I got a nice message yesterday on my birthday. It was, it was wonderful.
1: <laughs> you got <laughs> a complaint nice. <laughs> yesterday from someone? What are you, in, you're not in customer service. What are you working Good for thing. Comcast? Anyway, no. Um, That's silly, but we are going to link up... uh, Okay, let's stop. Uh, We're going to link up everything uh, in the show notes so that you can just reach out to Aisha. So, let's see. Let's ask one more, which is... um, Aisha, if your bike had a superpower, what would it be? It already has a superpower. What is it? It's
0: so cheesy. It's like the empowerment superpower <laughs> I don't know I just done so many things because of bicycles so that's got to be like a superpower right like it just m- makes me feel confident and like takes me to really cool places I've traveled the world I've done new things I've met so many great people i don't know i think i think bikes do have superpowers i don't think it needs to have anything additional and if they like started flying i think that would be really weird <laughs> Maybe like, oh, see, that would be cheating if they could, if they could teleport.
1: Well, teleporting, I don't know. You still have to engage the drivetrain somehow.
0: <laughs> you know, like you have to get
1: like up to eighty-eight point eight or something like that, and then you can teleport or something. I don't
0: know. <laughs> I just that, that would be the superpower. If I could have a superpower, that's the one I'd want. I want to teleport. But uh. I don't know about bikes. I think they already. I think they're already set. And I think they're good to go.
1: Awesome, um, Aisha. Thanks so much. It really had a great time talking to you.
0: Thank you for having me. I know I said that already, but I mean it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. Big thanks to Aisha for hanging out and sharing the bike love with us. Please make sure you check out aquickbrownfox.com. Go there to ask Aisha, remember, good vibes only, she's not Comcast, Um, sorry, it's in my words, not hers. Um, Sign up for, go to quickroundfox.com, sign up for the Do Better Together ride series, there's still time to get in on that and win some cool prizes. Make sure you also follow her up on social and check out the podcast that she co-hosts called Fix It Black Jesus for smart, sharp unapologetic commentary on race and politics in today's America. As you may remember, I'm reading out five-star reviews, so I'm super excited because we got a five-star review from J. Ting Walker. So big thanks to J. Ting Walker, who writes, great interviews. Great interviews with amazing women in cycling. Guests are amazing, and the questions asked are awesome. I'm really digging the length of episodes, too. Five stars! Um, Thank you. Thanks so much. Uh, Thanks for those words of encouragement. Um, Shucks. Uh, Remember, folks, ratings, reviews, they all help people to find the show, and while I'm super psyched to read out your five-star reviews, nothing is more valuable than a personal introduction. So if you know a woman who you think may dig the show, thanks in advance for sharing it with her. Also, if you know someone who you'd like to nominate to be a guest on the show, go on over to bit.ly forward slash joyride guest. That's bit.ly forward slash joyride guest and tell me about her or drop me a line at thejoyridepodcast at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. As always, friends, I appreciate your time and your attention. Remember, life shrinks or expands in proportion to one's courage. Keep moving forward. And until next time, I hope you enjoy the ride.